For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into another episode of Believe in Kentucky, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one content network for professionals. Got a fun episode here for y'all on this particular show. Got a UK legend, one of my favorite cats of all time, a 96 champ, Derek Anderson stops by and spends some time on the podcast. We talk March Madness, we talk about a variety of topics, we talk about his funniest teammate ever, all kinds of good stuff on this episode. So when you get a chance to listen to it, hope you enjoy it. Check it out on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your friends about it. You know, it's SEC tournament time, so if you catch it before the game or after Kentucky plays, whatever, hope you enjoy it. Uh, and we'll let you get to the interview portion of this episode now. So hope everybody enjoys it when you take time to listen. Appreciate y'all. Man, BBN, it is March Madness. Welcome into this new episode of Believe in Kentucky. It's the time of year everybody's looking forward to anticipating is finally here. We start this episode off with a legend, a UK legend. From Louisville, did his thing at Dawes High School, brought it back to the Cats, part of the 96 champs, NBA champ, writer, producer, entrepreneur, philanthropist, and there's many titles, many hats. Talking about D.A. himself, Derek Anderson. D.A., welcome to the podcast, man. How you been? I've been great, man. It's good to be on your show, man. Excited. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. You hopped on with... with TD, when he was hosted with me, you hopped on my other little podcast when you didn't even know who I was and you were still kind of <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good people, man, good people. Look, man, first time I got to meet you, it's been five or six years ago. You, you been from Louisville, but you were in Harlan County where I'm from with yourself, Cameron Mills, Anthony Epps, uh, down there at the festival that they had in Harlan and, and got to meet you. My little boys got to meet you. My dad got to meet you. And, you had a fun Saturday down there, man. It was cool. Good place, too, man. Got to get back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You down in my neck of the woods, man. It was it was cool. Um, so how's everything been going with you, man? Man, it's good. It's uh, March Madness time, so I'm excited, man. Just uh, enjoying life and uh, staying on the go. That's it. And we'll talk about all that, but I'm going to talk about something in the future. I saw you tweeting out here in a couple of weeks. You're going to be speaking at the Lewis Honors College. You've been doing your thing with stamina you've been writing you've been speaking you've been giving back to community 
So you're going to be you know, set to talk uh, at the Lewis Honors College here in a couple of weeks. So that's pretty cool to come back to UK uh, and be able to talk to the student athletes there and students. Yeah, Thomas Lewis. Uh, Tom Lewis is a great guy. He's giving back to the uh, university. Uh, great guy. Wrote a great book. Uh, just excited to be able to help that uh, program. You know, people have always helped us out, so it's good that we can come back and help our alma mater out and uh, keep pushing guys and young ladies uh, forward to the next life. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Have them as prepared as possible when they when they yeah. get out and decide what they gonna which direction they want to go. Right. Yeah, this weird, real weird world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, let me go back to you being from Louisville. I want to get your perspective because. I mean, there's tons of UK fans in Louisville now, you know, and, but was that the case when you were coming up? Was it always as many or was it maybe not as many back then when you were uh, a youngster coming up? Or how was well, we, to, we grew up, we had to watch what was on TV. And back then, you know, you had like three stations and the work that station didn't come in was Channel 3, which Kentucky was using. You know? <laughs> So we didn't get to watch Kentucky uh, as much. We saw the University of Louisville, so we watched them. It's all we had to do. So, you know, we watched them on four stations, and like I said, one of them didn't come in, so the other three we watched. And uh, we just all became basketball fans, really. Uh, the separation came as you got older, but I don't remember being that many Kentucky fans when I was younger. But, again, we were almost uh, just watching what we could, and I think that was significant for a lot of young guys because we didn't even watch the NBA. It wasn't nothing out in the 80s, so we were just kind of watching what we could. And then if you could see some games, you would watch them and you try to emulate those guys. So it was uh, it was a different fan base at that time because most people in Louisville were just Louisville fans. That's all we knew. You know what I mean? So for me, when I started watching all basketball and watching UK and uh, Kentucky dunks all on TV, and it was, uh, it was different for me at that time. So and that's what made me wonder, too, uh, so when a guy like Winston Bennett from Mel goes to Kentucky, do you remember that? Was that maybe the start of it changing as far as Kentucky fans in Louisville? Or was that – how did that impact you as a kid? Like, oh, he's going to UK from here. Well, you heard about him doing that, but it, it didn't impact us because we, were, we weren't looking at college like that. We were looking at being the best in our neighborhood. That was our college, being the best in your neighborhood, then being the best at your high school. Uh, a lot of people, where's no, there was no big dream of ours to play there, you know, to play at a college. Like, it was different for us. We were, I mean, we are in a project. You, you, your, your survival was more important than sports. So we were just kind of like daily kids, working jobs, cutting grass, working at the grocery store. Like, we had normal jobs, like 13, 14, 15, where now these kids are being driven to games. You know, so it was different for us. So hearing Rick with, uh, Winston Bennett going to Kentucky didn't really gravitate to me until I was about to leave school. And I was like, they said, hey, you know, Winston went to Kentucky. And I'm like, really? Where did he live at? And they said, oh, he lived behind you. And I was like, Benway? Like, never knew that. You know, so it was, it was different and unique. But uh, I, I wouldn't say it, it didn't affect me in that, in that sense until I was older. Hmm. Yeah, I was I just thinking about when I knew he was coming on, I, was, I need to ask him about that just to, to yeah. see what it was like or your from your perspective, you know, at that time in Louisville. So I appreciate you. You know, going in detail about that because, you know, uh, I guess maybe for for people Winston's age, it was like, oh man. But for you, you were just like you said, you just one day to the next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. 
Exactly. Literally one day to the next. Yeah, I understand. Like one hour to the next hour. Yeah. So when you did get to uh, decide to leave, you know, you know, about to leave Dallas and pick a college, initially go to Columbus to Ohio State, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, I went to Ohio State. Coach drove three hours down, man. And, and uh, unfortunately, my house situation where I couldn't take any financial aid, so I had to go to a place that was going to give me a scholarship, and he offered me a full ride. And I was excited, man, and great atmosphere, great city, great fan base, uh, great dude. Everything about that situation was good. It's just unfortunate happened, you know, what happened to the players on the team my sophomore year, because I would have probably never left if that situation wouldn't happen. Hmm. Um, with all those problems happening at the school, um, but when I did get that opportunity, I had I had a decision to make, and I got an opportunity to go back and pick Kentucky. Rick Pitino called me and was like, "Hey, if you guys are leaving Ohio, you leaving Ohio State, you know, we'd love to have you here." That was all I needed here. Yeah. So coming to Kentucky, and of course, it's always just the, the blue blood, the tradition, basketball school. You know, football teams trying to come up now had a few good years, but back then it was definitely all about basketball. So you were coming to a basketball school. You sound like you enjoyed your time at Ohio State until you, you decided to manage it, I leave. What was it like being a hooper at the football school that is Ohio State? That was, you know, yeah, it, was that different. it was different. It was definitely different. But again, their fan base was all about their, their fans. I mean, about the, the players. So uh, no matter if you played soccer, sold out crowd because they supported each other. So I thought that was a really a good element of why I chose to go there. Uh, so I thought, I thought it was a good, it's a great fan base to me. I mean, it's just, they've always been solid. Uh, and here's what's crazy is they had no expectations of us winning the championship. So there was no, no pressure at all. You just played a game that you loved and you enjoyed it. And it was packed out crowd. So it was different. Um, definitely different from UK and, and Ohio State. It was like the flip flop. <laughs> the football team had all that all that pressure and weight. Yeah, they had pressure every weekend. Yeah, yeah. you got to beat Michigan. You got to go in the field. You got to beat Penn State. You got to win the good team. You got to go to the Rose Bowl. You got to win this championship. Everybody <laughs> they played was like, I was like, man, I got a tough game again. <laughs> like, man, yep. Yeah, so it's it's cool to, that you weren't. Tell y'all about La Terrain watches. You hear about them each and every time we do this podcast. Every episode, we talk about La Terrain. We had the founder, Dave, on here a few weeks ago, a few months ago. Uh, ben, his uh, right-hand man, is doing big things as well, connecting with lots of uh, former UK athletes. They're doing their thing at La Terrain watches. Look, Dave is a watch enthusiast. Uh, he started La Terrain to offer affordable, long-lasting timepieces that can be a trusted companion on the adventures of life ahead. You got to have a trusty watch. You got to have a versatile watch. This watch is all of those things. You can be formal. You can be casual. You can change your bands. There's several different styles. All kinds of great things at La Terrain. Look, that Atlas. You've got the Atlas Ocean. You've got so many different timepieces, so many different styles. That Subnautica is amazing as well so get yourself a la terrain watch tell them that you heard about them by listening to the believe in kentucky podcast l-a-t-o-u-r-a-i-n-e.com la terrain get yourself a la terrain watch 
you know, overlooked. They still gave y'all love, even though they was all more football. so about football. They still, you know, had love for the Hoopers. That's good to know. I was wondering how that was. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's fine. Now, you know, we mentioned it. Everybody knows you, you won part of the 96 championship team at Kentucky. Went on to win a championship in the NBA. So what's the when it's time to lock in like you said it's march madness time you know and of course you you locked in and was a, a key part of a title run uh you gotta win six games in ncaa of course you lose one that's it you gotta win 16 in the nba but of course it's not one and done it's a series so what's what's the differences when you gotta lock in mentally when it's postseason time as a collegiate player and as a pro player, what's the similarities or what's the differences? Well, the college, it was, it was easier to lock in from a standpoint that we played hard because we had, that's all we had. You know, when you're in the NBA, it's like, man, I got 82 games. So if you're a 69, you're like, man, I'm going a, I'm to a just kind of chill on this play and see if I can cheat the play. You know, you're not really focused on the scouting report as much sometimes. And then you'll buckle down sometimes in the fourth quarter because you knew you had a long season. But in college, it was like you just you were always we were always ready to play. Like that was the greatest time of my life was college basketball, not high school, not pros. It was college because it was like everything that you put into it meant matter. Like you said, losing one game meant you weren't going to be ranked in the top five. So we was like, no, let's win. Let's every game we go out, let's give everything that we got. You know what I mean? So I think college was a different preparation, and we focused on every game that we played, man. Give it everything you got. You know, there was nothing else. Like, we couldn't wait for a game. You know, practices were so hard anyway. It was like, it was ridiculous. I mean, you think about Wayne Turner and Anthony Epps going at it, Tony Duck and Jeff Shepard, me and Ron Mercer, Antoine. And, and I, like, I mean, you looked at our team and every day was, like, hard. So when we got to a, a real game, we was like, well, I know ain't nobody just as good as this guy. <laughs> I just practiced. So it became easier for us to play games and it became more passion fun. So we gave everything we did in college basketball more than anything. So as as hard as it was, because I've talked with TD about it, talked with Cameron Mills about it, talked with Anthony Epps, all you guys about how how demanding Coach P was, how hard it was. You just talked about how the games were an off day. As hard as all that was, that was still more fun than you playing at Dawes and being the man? That was still more fun in high school? Yeah, man, because Dawes, it was like I had already – dominated from I was like after my sophomore year I was like dominating so it wasn't like I was getting a lot out of it like I was dominating getting better you know still trying to do things but when I got to college I was like okay now everything is equal even you know what I mean I want to dominate that crowd and it was kind of like that's a different crowd you know you get in high school you got like you know you might play 20 teams 20 different teams where you're in pro I mean college you can play a team that's in Kansas. You can play a team that's in California. Like, that's a different type of player. You know, I saw most of the guys I played in high school, I played against them in the park. So college was definitely a different atmosphere for me. So it was uh, the challenge became tougher. It was, like mm-hmm. you said, it was it was more okay. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you can't just show up and just do what you've been doing now. It's like, oh, okay, uh-huh. you know. It's, uh-huh. So you – yeah, it was it was it was what you were wanting. You were wanting to, after your sophomore year, you basically like, all right, I got this. So you were looking for somebody on your level to to kind of go toe to toe with. Sounds like. Yep, yep. I had a guy, Carlos Turner in Louisville was my guy. But we had grew up playing with each other in a project, so I knew him. 
you know, I had a teammate on my team who was just as good. So I knew those guys. I was looking for somebody new to like challenge me. Right. So after I got to college, I, I found it. <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense. And all y'all, man, talk about the, you know, it's just practice was just such a war that the game, the, the two and a half hours of the game was just just like a walk in the park after y'all, y'all just. I mean, it was like, like we were, hey, when I look at the clock and see it's only five minutes ago, we would, everybody be begging to go back in again. Hey, man, let me go back in. <laughs> I mean, games are just like, you people really used to think like, man, y'all really listen. These games ain't, there's nobody's going to outlast us or outwork us. So we knew we was going to win a game, even if it was close. You know what I mean? So it was like, you're not going to beat us because we, we didn't already went through all the wars of practice. So we couldn't wait to games, man. Practices was like walking towards practice. You felt like it was a, a, a NCAA game. Like, man, I hope we get through practice today. <laughs> so it was different, man. But it definitely paid off. Yeah. And you, you mentioned that, you know, back, you know, these kids today won't know, but not as many options on TV. You can't just flip on anything you want. So you mentioned there wasn't a lot of NBA on. You, you just kind of caught what you could catch and saw who you could see and emulated who you could. So who who did you get glimpses of in the pros that you tried to emulate or maybe saw coming up when you did flip on the TV? Who were who were some of the guys that you did try to pattern your game after? Well, it was we on what happened was when you did get to watch TV as I got older, like in the tenth, eleventh grade, they had like WGN, which is Chicago. I watched Jordan. And then they had uh, TBS, which is Atlanta. So I watched Dominique Wilkins. So those are the two guys I got to watch. And uh, that helped me with my dunking because I used to go out and try to do all their dunks. And I wound up mastering every dunk that they had. <laughs> uh, but those two are the guys I just look say, hey, those two guys are going to score. They know how to play. They play defense. Um, so I just kind of patterned my game after both of those guys. Just I wanted to dominate. I wasn't physically built yet but I could jump and I wanted to make sure that I posed that same threat when they went and played. I wanted to play just as hard. So when you saw me come, you was like, oh, he's going to come play hard. So those are the two guys I emulated going out of high school. Had Travis Reed on here a couple of weeks ago, played UCLA West Coast cat. Yeah. And he went and played overseas for years. And, but he was, he was always paying attention to Kentucky. Of course he, he played against the 98 team, you know, in the Sweet 16 <laughs> and against those guys. But he mentioned your name came up. He said, you know, I always my watch can tell you closely. And you know, Derek Anderson was one of the most athletic two guards I'd ever seen. He was doing all kind of dunks and crazy this is and that. And <laughs> we was just talking about you, man, and him out there in California checking That's you cool. out before he went to UCLA, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody's got a pattern that you want to kind of emulate. You know, I started learning from Penny Hardaway. Uh, I just took things because I was I was a six six point guard my whole life until I got to college. And then they would move me to the two guard, sometimes a small forward. So I, I, but then when I got the ball, I was so fast and so athletic that you didn't know that I was actually a point guard until I got to the NBA. And then again, and it was like those things shine. And when players see you play, they emulate those things if they can. So Travis, like he was an athletic dude. So, you know, you try to, and it's fast. So you try to emulate people who similar to your game. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now you, Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm fixing to assume, but you know what happens when you assume. So I might be, I might be totally wrong. What I'm about to say, but right. you, you strike me as a dude that doesn't really get starstruck by a lot of people. You like, I don't know if is that true. Like, you yeah. don't, right? No, I don't. <laughs> so, so yeah. I saw you. You tweeted out 
you know, a few weeks ago, uh, you know, NBA had the top 75. You got pictures of yourself uh, with Magic, MJ, LeBron, Kareem, Kobe, and you just congratulating them on, you know, being top 75 players and uh, we all worked and we all earned and, and you saluting them for that accomplishment. So what were your interactions like with those guys, you know, just off the court, you just kicking it with them, you know, uh, just, you know, hanging out with Kareem, hanging out with LeBron or being with Kobe before he passed, just your memories of being with, with all those guys. Well, I took a lot from each one of them. Uh, MJ, of course, was my boss. So since 97, I've been friends with him forever. So we take we had 100 pitchers together. Uh, but uh, playing against Kobe, we would always compete. We would talk after games or before. Um, uh, Kareem, we had a great conversation. He was, my, he was my coach when I was playing for the Clippers. He was my assistant coach. So I got a good relationship with him. And Magic, is always, I've always been a fan of his game because he was so smart. So me, I would play in his charity game. He told me, hey, man, you ought to do this, this, and that. And I was like, oh, okay. So we played together. And he made an alley-oop pass to me one time. He looked at me, and I spin and made a dunk. And he was like, I like playing with smart players. So I always tried to take something from each player. And I think those guys actually helped me in a lot of different ways see things different. You know, they could see things one way, and I could see things another way, and it'd be the same picture. So it was just it was just a lot of knowledge that I was trying to gather from them, and uh, they was always open and receptive. I'm not a big hey, I took a picture with this. I'm not I'm not that way. So when they met me, they were like, man, you so down to earth. And I didn't know you was from Kentucky. And they were like, yeah, I was like, man, I'm a normal dude. I just happen to be blessed to play basketball. So I'm no different than anybody in this planet. I just want to be treated with the respect and try to learn stuff from people. So they've always respected that. And those memories, man, were uh, incredible. Like you just knowing those guys. And I played with Scottie Pippen, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, Dwayne Wade, like I've played with guys who have always shown me something outside of basketball in a different light that I would try to see how I could better myself. I never wanted to be someone out there. I just wanted to be the best me. Mm-hmm. Makes sense too. Um, <clears throat> and so it's hard for, for fans to, you know, every, we all, we all breathe the same air, put mm-hmm. our pants and socks and shoes on the same way. But, Oh, y'all are blessed to do what you did in the NBA at the highest level. So you, you get that larger than life. You get that, oh, my God. Oh, that's D.A. Oh, that's D-Wade. Oh, that's Kobe. But you can kind of see through all that and just and they just, just regular dudes like I am. And, and so you just like you just not even not even in well, awe of people I, like I that. Fan I was fan struggling like Ric Flair. You know, I was like, I want to be in the full, full horseman. Like I was starstruck about certain things. It's just when you're in basketball, you're not really, eh, you know, I'm used to it. But when I was outside of that, oh, yeah, I'm a music fan, a wrestling fan. Like, no, you're still a fan. You ain't nothing you can do. I saw Rick Flair. We was over here trying to take pictures. <laughs> you, you, fanboy, you fanboy when you met Rick Flair. Yeah, well, I didn't get to see him. We were just trying to take pictures from him for a while. I didn't chase him down or nothing, but I was trying to take pictures of him. Yeah, like <laughs> went to a Prince concert. Like, he's trying to get his pictures. I was jamming. Like you're a fan of you're a fan of things that you admire, man. So that's just a natural act. It's just I'm just not a basketball super fan of it, but everything else, football, music, all that. I'm I'm a big fan of that too. 
So I get when fans come up to me. I'm like, I'm the same way with other stuff. <laughs> right, right. So did you have other talents? But did you have did you have a little musical talent? Did you have did you have a yeah, little I write, I write music now? I still write music. I've been writing music 30 years now. I've been writing music uh for people. I do a lot of stuff privately, man. I don't I don't want no more fame. I just want success, man. I'm not into that. So like I'm writing movie scripts and whatnot. So I'm a I'm a big fan of writing. I like to write journals and books and, and stuff to kind of leave a legacy besides sports. So yeah. I'm huge into that. I ran track too. I was really good at track, a high jump, but I ran track. I was super fast. Hmm. I just grew like four or five inches in two summers and that was it. <laughs> Your, the basketball path would just, you know, way better. <laughs> <laughs> way easier too. Absolutely. We definitely got to get into this year's team too. But man, let me just thinking back at, at, at your games in UK. What's what game in your opinion were you most in your bag in your time at Kentucky? What game stands out where you was like this one? Ooh, I was in my bag that night. Which one of those jumps out? I've had a couple, man. Like we played uh, Indiana, had like twenty three and a half. The first half I had like twenty three dunking, putting people like I was destroying them. But then we played Georgia Tech, and I was shooting fadeaway, running screens like MJ. I watched his game, came off a screen, shot a fadeaway with legs kicking. Like, it was just like I've had games. Um, the, I don't know, man. I just, I've had a lot of good games. Uh, of course, the Louisville game, that was my best. That was my best time because I knew what I was doing. I was trying to embarrass them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it was it was a little personal game against Louisville, but I think uh, Louisville, the Indiana game, Georgia Tech game, those those three games stand out because I I did everything. I showed every part of my game: post ups, shots, threes, dribbles, passing, block shots. Like I, I pretty much displayed my whole game that day. I played eighteen games and got drafted lottery, so I knew I did enough. The NBA teams that saw me play, mm-hmm. slashing. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, attacking the rim, mm-hmm. catching Nate, slipping, and we, you know, <laughs> oh, and then the dunk two against Indiana, and and uh, uh, I was like, oh, don't dance, do you? You gotta dance, you gotta do that, and it was like, yes, you do. After making a play like that, <laughs> we were just, we were having fun, man, kids. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, now. Who who is college and pro the funniest dude that you've been a teammate of in college and pro that's just pure comedy has you cracking up all the time that you know funniest teammate you play with in your in your career uh, by far Shaq <laughs> ain't nobody close to that dude <laughs> I mean nobody in the world's close to that dude he is super funny. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know he was that funny. It was hilarious. He could have been a comedian if he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, he run in the locker room and what trainer, like the news people come, he just walk out like butt naked and just run across the thing. Everybody just run out. And he's like, interviews are over. <laughs> he was hilarious. It was funny. For seven footers, is it, you know, people are super tall. I mean, you're tall at 6'6", six, six, but, you know, the seven footers, Maybe a lot of them not comfortable in their skin or don't, you know, don't care for being that tall. But it seemed like Shaq didn't care. He, he's seven one, big and tall as he is. He was just as comfortable in his skin as it could be. No, 
no apprehension, no hesitation. Not I'm seven foot. I don't care. Don't don't talk to me. He was that's 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 some person. I don't know. I guess he is if he if he felt like that. But Shaq was just a normal dude. But people don't realize how athletic that dude was. Like when people talk about centers, I'm like, ain't nobody. We haven't seen nobody like that in our lifetime. Never. Like you could talk about Whip and all that. Whip wasn't running the ball, bringing it like that, spin moving, passing. Whip was just a, a, a different man child for his size. But Shaq, Shaq was different. Shaq was, I've never, you, we've never seen anything like him before. It just lead to break. Like really just, yeah, out in transition like that. And then he had power. Then he was smart. Like, I think people looked at him because when he gained the weight, and, you know, his career kind of was up and down. People said, oh, he should, he didn't maximize all that. But man, there wasn't nobody better than that. They were like, you know, he, was, he was a different breed. You know, I love Kareem. I think Kareem's a great player. Hakeem's got the best footwork. Um, I mean, you can talk about Russell, but the best rebound and best defense, but nobody was Shaq. If they would all say, let's play a one-on-one -on -one game, Shaq would have beat every center that ever played against basketball. Mm -hmm. yeah. Hakeem would have been his biggest challenge because of his footwork and his shooting. Because mm -hmm. uh, Hakeem Olajuwon was different. He just wasn't Shaq. <laughs> <laughs> and for you to... For you to, you know, seen all these players, played against all these players, been around all this athleticism, and for you to say that about Dream, that must, let, I mean, that must, you know, for y'all to be impressed by, because you're in this world all the time, but for them to still be like, that dude was different, that really, that carries weight. He's different. But you got to realize, there are people who are fans, and then there are people who actually know basketball. Like, some of these sports writers are fans. Like, there's no way Tracy McGrady shouldn't have been in the top 75 over some of these other dudes. You got these young generation, ESPN, all these other people who have zero clue about real basketball. They look and say, oh, he averaged 20. Well, if he shot 20 shots, of course he's going to average 20. Look at his game. Look, does he know how to play? Does he know what he's doing? Is he dominating it at whatever he is? And Hakeem Olajuwon is by far one of the best players. But you think about some of these guys say, I'll take Russell. I'll take Wilk. I mean, I'll take Kareem because he's got the sky hook. Bruh. No, if you're talking about pure talent, pure skill, those two guys are, are are by far the two best. It's like when you hear some of these other, even like my boy Charles Oakley said, Giannis would have came off the bench. No, he wouldn't. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't have been on nobody's bench because he's too good. You know what I mean? But everybody's got their opinion. And that's why I say it's hard to even have conversations with people because they'll start to get emotional about it and not speak the truth. And then once you tell someone the truth, they'll be like, Oh, I didn't see it from your perspective. I see it now. I know because you're just a fan, which is cool. You know, so there's no problem with that. But I just think when you look at pure skill, pure gifted to talent, pure work ethic, pure playing, pure everything about the game, Hakeem Olajuwon had the best footwork, smooth jump shot, up and unders, all that. And Shaq had all the power, the smarts, the move. He had all that. And nobody could stop either one of them guys at all. That's for sure. You mentioned Giannis, and you talk about the work ethic, the drive, and the talent. We've, you know, saw him when he couldn't hit a jumper at all, and he was still getting to the rim, and you kept thinking, if he ever gets a jumper, he'll be scary. And now we, we've seen the jumper improve. We've, we've seen the three-point shot improve. Has he has he tapped out? Or has he still got a lot more potential with the way he works that he can still get his game to in your opinion? 
Yeah, if he learns the fadeaway, if he gets on that post and stops dribbling so much, imagine when he slows down from dribbling. Where is he going to go? To the post. He's, he's already seven feet, so just take one or two, pull away, fade away, and just start knocking down. Switch, switch. That's his next evolution of the game. LeBron tried to do a little bit of it, um, but he doesn't, you know, he's more of a pass-first guy. Because if he took people in the post, ain't nobody going to stop that dude down there. Why do you think that is? I mean, sometimes – Personal thing, man. Like, I – like. The world, the world, I ain't going to say, I don't know how to put this, but if they if he would have ever had a killer instinct, we would have saw something special. I mean, again, nobody stop that dude. If he, if he wanted to just go out and say, I'm going to shoot every time I touch this ball, you at his mercy. I mean, the dude is just that good, but he likes to pass. I don't, I don't know, but he just, he just loves to play, pass the ball, and, you know, and that's okay because that's just who he is. But yeah. If that dude ever said, you know what, I'm gonna go out like he just got, he just gave somebody was a Golden State 56 or something. Yeah, he could do that every night if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. He literally could do that every single night, but he'd rather have 12 assists, 10, get everybody involved. He's just a great. That's this. That's his character as a person, though. Think about all the good he's done off the court. Mm-hmm. That dude is just a good-hearted person, man. So, you know, sometimes we wish we would see him go off of 50 and 60. But you know he's he's just gonna get his twenty something, get his 10, 15 assists, and he's cool. That's just there, the there's nobody. Yeah, there's nobody that does. He's he's a different breed. It's just the way he's wired, huh? It's just the way he's wired. Ain't nobody can change him. Either. He's been in the league for 17, 18 years, man. You can't change this dude. I mean, we've complained to this dude, man. Shoot the ball, man. He ain't hearing nothing we got to say. <laughs> he said, "I'm playing the game the way I want to play," which is cool, man. It's just you know, I mean. To teach his own, but that dude is just—he just wired different. That's that's what makes him a great person, though. Like him being able to like have an unselfish heart and unselfish character. That's what, <clears throat> that's what makes him a good person. Couple guys too before we get to the cast, but still young guys. But I don't know if maybe their career is it at a crossroads? Is it is it? Like- <clears throat> Uh, ben Simmons and Zion, what you, how you think it plays out for for both of those guys with what we've seen them go through in their first few years? Well, Zion's more health. He's more Grant Hill style. Like if Grant Hill, when Grant lost his thing, it took Grant time to get back. I think that's kind of Zion's thing. Once he gets back and loses his weight and getting his bones healthy, I think he should be okay. Uh, I think Ben's in a good situation too. I just think he's he's just got to have people around him who are leaders who are going to push him because he's, he's pretty much been kind of like coddled a lot. He came out of high school, went to college, you know, everybody's been kissing up to him. I think now if he'll listen to KD and Kyrie, some guys, some older guys who will get in him and say, Hey man, we need you to shoot. We need you to do this. And he accepts that. I think he'll be fine. Cause he's, he's the same way as LeBron. He could go off and get 25 and 30 every night. Can't nobody stop that dude on that post and, and when he's driving. He'll dunk all over you right or left. He's already right-handed, but he does everything with both hands. So I just think if he can he can accept his his the challenge of being a dominant player on both sides of the ball, his career will change. We'll look up him in a couple of years and be like, dang, this dude really did a 360. Or we'll be like, okay, well, it doesn't matter what team he goes to. Like, I love Westbrook, but nobody's ever been able to coach him and to understand, hold your follow-through on your jump shot. Work on your jumper. Stop going 100 miles an hour. Like, no one, I've seen work with all these trainers, but I don't know if he's not receptive or what. But I think once he's learned, like, he's learning, okay, shoot my jump shot, trust it, live with it. Like, you know what I'm saying? I think those are the things that happen sometimes. Some players just can't, 
can't adjust. But uh, I think Ben and uh, Zion, they got they got a two year mark before we'll have a real valuation of them. Is it is it going to be a vicious circle for Zion because you got to lose weight and get healthy? Mm-hmm. But is lower body foot injuries, leg injuries, you got to be on your feet to lose the weight. But if your feet don't, if you don't ever get right, can you lose the weight? Is it is it going to be like round and round we go? Well, you can lose the weight if your diet is right, but you don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the good thing about it is when you're in the NBA, you literally could have a diet to where it teaches you like a water diet. Certain things when you're not playing, you can do that. It's just when he comes back to being healthy, uh, does he stay on his diet? Because, you know, when you're playing, you got to eat. You know, we have to eat. So I don't know how his body is, but I think he'll be fine. You won't know again until he's healthy. It's a lot of good food in New Orleans, too. I'm just When you look at <clears throat> this Kentucky team, it's a lot of guys making impacts that have transferred in like you did. Oscar transferred in, Severe transferred in, mm-hmm. uh, Kellen Grady transferred in, CJ Frederick is out for the season. He transferred in as well. So, I mean, you being a guy who transferred in, I guess, I mean, you know what that's like. And and these guys have come in and, and, and made a big impact on this year's team. Yeah, it was easy. I had already played against Kentucky and I had scored like 20 something points on them. So it wasn't like I came in thinking I couldn't play. Like, I took a back seat so we could win. You know, I wasn't going to shoot all the balls with, you know, with Tony being a senior. And I wasn't, I'm not a selfish dude. So I didn't come in and say, oh, man, I can score more than you guys. No, I wanted to come in and play my role. That's how we were able to be so successful. Guys played their their role right. Uh, but then the next year, you saw me pick right back up. And I think with these young guys now, they're learning to play their role. Like, Oscar's not asking for 30 shots, but he knows when he gets it, he can make an impact, and then he goes chase the rebound. He's being impactful because he knows his role. Um I think those guys that transferred in just accepted their roles. It took them a while. I think everybody's trying to figure out, okay, do I be, do I get to do this? Do I get to do that? Once they figured it out, that's why our team is so much better now. Like we look like a really, uh, really good team because we're all playing on pieces that we need to play. And I guess, I mean, last year you had uh, Mints and Toppin transferring too, but so mm-hmm. you can add them to the mix of transfer guys, but. Uh, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Uh, cool to see Mintz, since he decided to stay around, you know, last year did not go well. He was able to play in a full rub arena. He got to, got the senior day love and, you know, he's been moved to the six man now, but he still comes in and kind of provides that spark. Another ball handler, another shooter, kind of just doing what needs to be done. So it's, it's, it's cool to kind of see him have a true season at Kentucky the way, you know, a, a normal things go. Well, so long as he understands his role, he'll be fine. I think, like, a lot of times guys don't understand the roles. They're not signified. They're not they're not understanding what that is. So I think it's kind of hard for guys to say, I don't want to shoot too much, but if I don't shoot, like, I'm not going to play. If I'm not being effective in some kind of way, I think that's a big key. So I think now he understands his role. If I get in, I'm, I'm open shot, hit him. You know, be aggressive on offense. That way you're not sitting around just waiting on stuff to happen. You're being aggressive. So I, I'm happy to see him get developed, and especially to have a senior night, man. It's good. Trust me, I know it means something. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I was talking to Reggie Hansen about this the other day. I, I'm starting to kind of see you know, Jacob Toppin little by little start to put the piece together offensively. 
Yeah. Starting to see him hit 15 footers. He's hit a few threes when he gets it. He's still kind of open for a reason. He's still like the fourth option when he's out there. He still has those moments. He's kind of taking it to the rim and attacking a little better. Uh, but it's kind of like little by little, you're seeing him put to the, put it together, and it's all kind of bubbling below the surface to where like next year maybe he kind of breaks out. Maybe the light bulb goes off and you kind of see a breakout from him. What do you what do you see when you look at at Jacob Toppin's game? This is a, this is confidence and understanding that jump shot is there. Don't just shoot it just because say, hey, I'm wide open. Jab step, shot fake. Work on the things that's going to get you in rhythm. You know, he just sees it sometimes he'll just shoot it because, hey, I was open. Like you said, it's open for a reason. Like sometimes you want to get in a rhythm before you just shoot a shot. I think he's learned that now. Uh, his athleticism is incredible. Uh, and I think next year he'll definitely – but I think he's going to have a good run in the tournament. I really do. I think he's going to really do some good things, man. And Because people are kind of watching Oscar and these things, and people – you realize when you've got guys watching other people, it's when you can get off. You know what I mean? So that's when his game's really going to flourish, and you'll be like, okay. I like that. So I'm excited to see him play in a tournament this year. I'm not worried about next year. I think he's going to do well this year. Yeah, yeah. They just played at Florida to finish out the regular season. When you get to the the end of the regular season, the last game or two of the regular season, you know you're a good team. You know you're going to be a whatever seed whenever selection comes around. Are you just ready to get to the postseason at that point? He's like, we didn't beat Florida by 20 at home a couple weeks ago. Got to come down to Gainesville. Let's just get to March. Is, does that ever kind of creep in? Where you're like, let's ooh, let's get this regular season over with. Or oh, when you're like I said, when you're in college, you don't think like that. You think the first thing is I want to have fun, but I'm ready to go play basketball. So they're not. They, I don't. I hope they ain't thinking like that because that's how you get beat. <laughs> you know, that's how you get beat. But no, I think they're all focused, and I think uh, you don't you don't rush the tournament at all. You just want to get get this because you think about the last. Uh, regular season game, being undefeated at home, that's the stuff that you'd be caring about. You're like, man, look look at the accomplishment. Enjoy those those precious moments right now. So enjoy this season finishing with a good record. When you got to the SEC tournament, and I know how, how hard y'all were working for Rick, at the end of it, three games in three days, how did y'all feel at the end of it? Because the NCAA tournament ain't like that. You got the Friday, Sunday. You got the Thursday, Saturday. You get a day in between. When you playing three in three days at the in the SEC tournament, was that was that grueling? Was that still cool? Because y'all was in such great shape. I'm telling you, when you practice like <laughs> we was happy we didn't have to practice. Because you think about it, you practice for two and a half hours, you play for an hour, and then you only playing about 15, 20 minutes in a game. So everybody's still fresh. So nobody was out there playing 40 minutes a game. So we might have played 25, 30 minutes on court time, each player. We were fresh. <laughs> we were fresh. Third game didn't bother us at all. We were just we were completely fine. We just we didn't have to practice. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> so yeah, when you hear that and you say, Oh man, they played three games in three days, and all that y'all hey, wasn't even no thing. Nope. Thank you. <laughs> man, back to the, the NBA too. I gotta ask you, you look, you've been all over the country, you've been all over the world. What was your and we talked to TD about this, and he always cracked me up because he couldn't stand Boston because it was so cold. He hated all the cold weather cities. He loved Phoenix. That was like his all-time yeah. favorite city for the weather and, and all that. And he yeah. felt good. He said his body felt good. He played 82 games at the end of that season. I was good. So what was your favorite city or cities? Not not from just 
the arena and all that, but just the city itself and all the cities that you've been to. Because you've been in the Eastern Conference, you've been to Western Conference, you've been to all these cities many times. Which cities were your favorite cities? They all, they all have a different value. Uh, Cleveland was so many good, wholesome, wholesome people for me. I love Cleveland. The weather was terrible, but I love Cleveland people. Um, San Antonio was really nice. Weather was always good. I did the same thing, 80, 80 degrees, 82 games all season. I felt great. Mm. Houston is a great, amazing city. Uh, Portland has some really good people. Miami, of course, is Miami. Uh, L.A., I have family there, so I got to see some of my family while we were at games. But those are it, man. Uh, I really – I just – I mean, they all had something different. You know, um, they all had something different. I just, I enjoy good people. And like I said, Cleveland was good people. Uh, Houston's good people. San Antonio, good people. Of course, my family in LA. So you don't, everything brings something different. Like there was no, I didn't, I was fortunate enough. I didn't get one of them freezing cold cities like a Utah and can't move and frozen stiff or crazy New York traffic. I didn't, I didn't have those unfortunate uh, things, but. Uh, and think about it, like New York, the Mecca of basketball, that was the greatest arena to play in. So everything has a different value for it. So for me, I just, I took a lot out of different cities and I enjoyed all of them, man. Truly enjoyed them. A lot of people think what Seattle will probably, if they expand, Seattle's probably the first choice or maybe they go back and take it back there. Would you, would you, Louisville's got the Yum Center, your home city. You know, Louisville gets in the mix. No, Dennis, there's different ones trying to bring the NBA to Louisville. Do you think Louisville should have a city? How do you think the NBA would do in your city? I mean, what, just your thoughts on that? I, I love, I love the idea of having an NBA team in a city. But you know, Louisville people, if you lose, they don't come. <laughs> it's like, it's like you're asking, this is a college town. I think the team, if it's winning, everybody be there. It'll be sold out. Teams like the teams come in, it'll be sold out. But if they start losing, it'll be empty in that arena. If you don't believe me, look at the University of Louisville games. Yeah. I mean, they are empty. The yeah. girls have more fans than the guys do. That's true. So even the Louisville team would have to be good. Even though there's, you know, AD would be coming in or Carlton Towns coming in. You know, Boogie coming in, all these Kentucky players everywhere else, that still wouldn't be enough of a draw to No. <laughs> no. Jamal Murray coming in, whoever, Devin Booker coming in, none of that. Nah, they'll come one or two games, but man, listen, this this is this is a different city. It's a college town. The fans care about how hard these kids work. It's a blue to college town. It's like if you work hard, we'll support you. If you don't work hard, they're not coming. Hmm. And Chances of it being good starting off is probably going to be slim with an expansion team, right? Mm. Well, I definitely had to get your thoughts because you look, you, no problem, your city. that's your city, man. And you, you know how to, you know, the pulse of the city, <laughs> you know how they'll react for sure. Um, so SEC tournament, then they do the brackets and all that. And is there, is there any team out there that even that scares you, that worries you as far from a matchup standpoint? Is anybody even? No, nobody scares me now. I used to be, I was worried about the Dukes. Not anymore. They have no idea how to like play as a team. They just out there playing one-on-one. And when they do pass, it's out of force. So I'm not worried about them. Uh, 
I'm not worried about anybody now. I think there's a lot. It's all even for us, and we've been playing really well. So I'm good. I know we can beat anybody at any game. And I, this is this is a team that I wouldn't be surprised got to the Final Four and, and made some noise. I would not be surprised because we play well together. You know, Ty Ty and all them guys are healthy. He's running at the one sometimes and getting Willard breaks. So, you know, people want to go zone because he won't shoot a little bit. But Willard's still a good enough player to make decisions and make plays. Um, I think if we put him in the right situation, I think this is this is a this is a solid team that could actually win a championship. Like I didn't see it in the beginning, uh, but seeing them play now at every position and being healthy, this is a team that could actually win a championship. And I'm I'm excited now. I'm like, yeah, we we can make some noise because nobody. I mean, we saw what we did to Kansas. We went there and beat them. You know what I mean? So I think the, I think we would be North Carolina. I think we're we're built to win a championship right now. And then you talked about how Duke doesn't play, you know, as a team. How how about that last game at Cameron where you, you have your celebration plan for Coach K <laughs> after the game and they get punked by Carolina? Get ran in the second half, DA. Dude, was that not hilarious? That was funny. Karma <laughs> something else, ain't it? <laughs> Karma and Cameron. He he came out there <clears throat> And gonna say this is this is impromptu. He said this is unacceptable, and everybody tried to just start clapping. And he, no, no, y'all be quiet. Everybody shut up so I can apologize. That's basically <laughs> what he said. I was like, really, dude, really. What he said? Salty man, so salty. <laughs> and everybody came back. Jay Will, Billis, they showed up. Everybody, man. Whoo, man. <laughs> That was bad. I don't know Coach K. I don't. I don't think I've ever, ever met the guy. Yeah, I don't know him. Uh, I never played against Duke, so I don't. I've never met him. Never seen him in person, so I don't know. Um, you know, sometimes you always wish the best for people. You know, when they leaving out. You know, he's done a lot for a lot of kids. So, you know, salute to all the stuff he's done. But <laughs> you got Randy on. That's pretty bad. I mean, I don't know. You just just went to Carolina and beat them by twenty or whatever it was a couple of weeks ago. Over you don't there. Know, like that at home, but that's terrible. Right, right. <laughs> two point game at halftime, and they scored fifty five. Carolina scored fifty five points in the second half, and they're and not they, even scoring team. <laughs> that good. Kentucky beat we beat them by thirty in Vegas or wherever Chicago where we played them. We beat them. Entire, we beat them before the tip off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they come in to your last game ever there and and drop fifty five on you in the second half and and win by fifteen. They, I mean, just, just anyway, that was yeah. You know, I was chuckling, man. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. Head out, man. <laughs> Da, man. I appreciate you hopping on, giving the insights about this team, the time NBA. Your time chopping it up with, you know, Kareem and Magic and Jordan and, and all the cool stuff you've done. You got the AOK on your shirt. So for those who don't know everything you do, tell everybody what's going on with that and what you have coming up as far as speaking engagements and stamina and, and everything the whole nine. Man. Well, Acts of Kindness is basically a program that teaches people and young people. Uh, you get what you give in this world. You know, whatever you're giving out is what you're going to get in this world. Um, so we try to push it to our kids and our young people, man. Uh, be cool with each other. Support each other. Share a better life with each other. And uh, that's what we want them to do. So uh, trying to get kids to better themselves in life, 
and then it pushes out into careers, sports, uh, and just leaving a legacy beyond uh, fame. You know, leave something behind that can, can outlive you. And so that's what we do with our Acts of Kindness program. We're just excited, man. I'm uh, speaking all across the country, uh, sharing the message about stamina and not giving up. Of course, it's a different variety of not giving up as I try to show them and not talk to them. You know, anybody can talk, but can you show me how to get out of situations? Can you show me how to survive? And me being the way I've grown up and dealt with life throughout my life, I can give people actually a better blueprint for something to go off of to continue to push forward. So I'm excited, man. I'm looking forward to even coming back home to Kentucky and uh, getting getting everything going. Yeah, and that fame thing is, has been, always will be fleeting. It's, it's not, yeah. you know, it, it's people want to reach for it and try to grab it and get it, but it's, it's you know, it's, you want to have more substance and you're kind of trying to teach substance and, and like you said, just the way you act, the way you treat people, not just try to get famous and then, then what? So it's not about just chasing fame for you. Nah, gotta be more, man. We, we're all people, you know, we're all one person or one guy's children. So we got to focus on being cool with each other, being nice to each other, man, and living a good life while we're here. Absolutely, man. Man, DA, I appreciate the time, man. Looking forward to watching this March Madness. This SEC tournament kicks off. Kentucky plays tomorrow night. And then see how they do in Tampa there. See where they end up. And then make this six-game push to try to bring a chip back to Lexington, man. Sir, I'm excited, man. Hopefully we can do it. I'm going to be everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Hey, y'all go to you know, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, listen to this episode. Subscribe, give us five stars, tell your friends about it. Follow DA on Twitter if you're not already. Derek L. Anderson, see what he's into. And look, this has been another episode of Believe in Kentucky. We'll catch y'all next time. Appreciate you, DA. Appreciate y'all listening. Yes. Take care, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.